Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And I am excited that you are listening to season five, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and faith. And this month, our episodes have featured the questions brought up by Leike from Nigeria. Leike shared about her growing up in Africa, how childhood trauma impacted her faith, how she came to Christ in 2012, and still finds herself asking lots of questions. I loved her honesty about where she's at, the questions she's asking about Christianity, and her sharing of her faith journey. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go and check out the previous episodes from this month. We'll put a link in the show notes, and you can find that all over at findingsomethingreal.com. We've got stuff over there like free resources and occasional blog posts, along with ways to connect or even apply to be on this podcast. If you are a young woman who's questioning your faith or questioning faith in general, we'd love to hear from you. Also, a special shout out to those of you helping support this program as monthly patrons. Thank you especially to Michelle, who helps support this ministry. Your monthly contributions matter, and I'm so thankful for those of you who are helping that way. So if you love what we're doing here on Finding Something Real, I'd love to invite you to join us as a Patreon supporter. Patreon support starts at $5 a month, and in exchange, you'll get a one-time thank you gift of custom stickers. Uh, They're pretty cute, I think. Um, anyway, and along with a bonus podcast episode sent to your inbox every month, that episode is a monthly recap of the conversations we had all month. And I always invite the young woman whose stories are being featured on this podcast to join me for those candid and casual wrap-up conversations. If you are interested in hearing those follow-up episodes, or if you just like this podcast, please check that out again at findingsomethingreal.com. So today... I think it's just going to be extra special because we've already had quite a bit of technical difficulties. Um, And I'm hoping that Leike will join us. Uh, She's kind of been in and out of the recording this morning already before we pressed record. And she's not here currently, but I'm hopeful that she'll be back. Um, But I'm really excited because today there's a little preview of um, somebody special that's going to be on the podcast later this year. And you 
probably, as a regular listener of this podcast, would already know who she is. Um, she's a previous co-host. She's one of my favorites, and I'm excited to announce that she'll be back, like I just said. Uh, but Dokmar from the Netherlands is actually joining from downstairs this morning. Um, I told her that I'd love for her to be here, and here she is. Dokmar, welcome back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you always say the exact same thing. <laughs> I know. That's why I said it now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dagmar, what's it been like the last three weeks? I know you've been here. You've been, we were just talking about you coming to the Cannon Beach Christian Conference Center. You came with us as a family. Um, but how have you been? It's been several months since uh, people will have heard from you. Actually, it's kind of weird. This is a preview, but it's several months since the last time we recorded. It's a whole thing. So just tell me, how are you doing? Um, well, I'm right now at the point where the intellectual barriers of Christianity are no longer a problem. It's um, more about me being scared of what um, it might do to my life if I became a Christian. Um, it's hard to take that leap of faith and to let him control my life. So um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, that's uh, very real. <laughs> um, and how is your life right now? Tell me a little bit about that. Um, <clears throat> well, I dropped out of college and... I started doing uh, work for people that cannot clean their homes themselves anymore. So I clean it for them. And then on the weekends, I work on a daycare farm for kids who struggle with whatever problems they're having. And we do activities there. So that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, I'm also in the process of becoming a vaulting instructor. So that's been good. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I've been really blessed by you being around um, our conversations that we've gotten to have. <laughs> and um, thank you for also not just being present, but also cleaning our fridge yesterday. Uh, shout out to you. <laughs> like in your cleaning skills are amazing. But um, I'm just glad that we've had the last three weeks with you. Tomorrow you're headed back to the Netherlands. Um, I know you'll be back for some conversations over Zoom, which is amazing. Um, but I'm just grateful that you're here and that we've had the time that we've had together. So thank you for being here at, now it's 7 o'clock, but 6.30 this morning, um, when yesterday you slept in until almost 9. So thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for well, chance to be here. <laughs> well, I'm really excited about today's guest um, because he was highly recommended by someone that was previously on this podcast, Gernot Weilinger. Uh, Gernot has actually been on twice, um, but you won't hear his next episode until next month. Um, Gernot was the only guest that I can recall where immediately after our conversation, I said, please come right back. I need you to come back. <laughs> and I, I don't think I said it quite like that, but he agreed. And so um, just really grateful for him. 
And one of the things that he shared with me, I said, do you know anyone else who's really good at this kind of thing? And he said, I can think of somebody. He's a C.S. Lewis guy. He has a wonderful sense of humor. Um, and that was enough for me. And uh, so anyway, I'm really excited to welcome today's guest, highly recommended um, by his friend. Please welcome Jadiel Perez. Welcome, yeah. Jadiel. No, no pressure, Gernot, right? Thanks. For <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so I know that's not a huge intro. Usually I know a lot more about somebody. Would you share a little bit about who you are? And, and then I'll ask some questions about your spiritual journey. Yeah, sure. Well, first, thank you for having me uh, on the podcast. It's my first time ever doing the podcast. So if I seem a little unpolished, just that's my excuse, my go-to excuse. <laughs> But um, yeah, my name is Jadiel Perez. I come from a Guatemalan and, and Puerto Rican parents, family, and uh, I'm a pastor's kid. So my dad started a ministry for Hispanic families in Boston about two years before I was born. And I basically just grew up in that Christian context. Uh, I had my own struggles, which I can talk about you know, later, but basically born and raised in Boston. Um, I was involved with ministry starting in my, you know, 17, 18, 19. And then, um, yeah, the God opened doors to, to study philosophy at UMass Boston. And then, um, yeah, the rest has been kind of a really wonderful journey. I got to study a little bit of uh, theology at Harvard and then landed in Oxford to do uh, doctoral work on C.S. Lewis, which was my dream actually for 10 years was I, I really want to go to Oxford. And uh, it's just been a wonderful, exciting journey. To, to trust God and just to, to follow him, let him guide me. And that, that brings me to this moment, sitting with Janelle and Dagmar doing my first podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. And you also are husband and father. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. my wife's name is Wendy and we have a one-year-old, a one and a half year old boy named Jezekiel. Oh, He's wow. just the love of my life right now. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, such a fun age, too. Um, I, I loved those ages. Um, so you shared about being a pastor's kid, and but you had to come to faith on your own. What was that like for you? Did you ever question your faith, Jadiel, or was it ever a struggle for you? There was a moment when I started studying philosophy uh, at my undergraduate where I had a, a crisis moment. And it was very difficult because there are not, there weren't any intellectuals in my church. Most of them were Central American immigrants that had not gone. Um, many of them didn't finish high school. Many of them didn't go to college. So I started wrestling with these intellectual questions and it was tough because I didn't have anybody um, to help me. That's when I started to search for ministries, uh, you know, evangelism ministries, apologetic ministries that were able to help me a little bit. But it was really tough not having somebody in the flesh that I could talk to as a friend to help me work through some of these issues. And, um, and I remember there was, a, there was a dark night of the soul for me. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm supposed to be, you know, the model for the church. And I remember going to church one time and, and just feeling like I'm not one of them anymore. Like, and it was terrifying. It was scary. My, my entire foundation of my life felt like it was shaking. Cause I started to feel like, wow, I, I made like an us and, and them distinction. Like there they are worshiping. I used to worship like that. I used to believe that, you know, naively. 
and now I'm having these huge questions and I don't see any light anywhere. You know, what am I supposed to do? And that was a, that was a really tough moment. And I remember I had to make a decision and I was like, all right, well, and that's what philosophy does to you. So philosophy starts by feeding the organ of your reason, right? And, and, and it feels good and it's nice and it starts validating what you already believe. But then you're so used to trusting it that philosophy says, you know, um, give me everything. Like I, 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 you will have no other gods before me, basically. You have no other ways of knowing. And it's hard because you start on that path. You start on just reason, exclusive reason, no faith, no grace, no nothing, just reason. And then it turns on itself. And, you know, then you get to people like, you know, the enlightenment writers and it's just a crisis. And then you're like, man, you can't really know anything at all. And I remember having that, that crisis for myself and I had to make a decision. It came down to a decision. It didn't come down to an argument or a new piece of evidence. It was like, listen, are you going to lean exclusively on your reason or are you going to trust that God is there, that he's there in the dark and that he can guide you out of this darkness. And I remember making a commitment and saying, God, I can't see you right now, but, but I, I'm making a commitment to not lean on my own understanding, to trust you. And later I found out that that approach is called faith seeking understanding, you know, where you start with faith and the Lord honored that. I felt like that was a decision that I, I don't regret at all. I look back and see the fruit of it in my life and my thinking in my journey. And I feel like that was the right decision. And that is what kind of led me out of that, that crisis moment. But I'm very grateful to have gone through it because I feel like maybe I could help other people that, that are in a similar situation. And then what was your fascination with C.S. Lewis? And was that born out of your love for philosophy? Or was that something you had for a long time before that? So yeah, my love for C.S. Lewis. So this is how it, this is basically how it went down. I, there came a time where I started to get really um, almost apathetic about church. Um, there's a lot of pressure being the pastor's kid, especially in, in Hispanic ministries. You know, you're, you're supposed to be the model. And, and it, I, I felt that pressure and I started to think, you know, I don't want anything to do with this, you know, ministry. And that boiled over into school. Um, I was a horrible student uh, throughout high school. Um, I only wanted to go to the military. That was my goal since I was three years old. It's partly because my parents let me watch war movies when I was like so young, you know, and I was like, that's so cool. I want to do that. I want to be a soldier, which is that was my only passion in life. And when I was in my last year of high school, I had this freak accident where I tore my lung with my friend. We were raking leaves. I didn't know you could do that, but I guess I was raking too strenuously. And I felt the sharp pain in my chest and my throat. I ended up in the, in the hospital, the emergency room later. And um, they said that I had torn my lung. And that accident was so sudden that my recruiter, I, I, was, I had been recruited to go to the Marine Corps. And six weeks later, I was going to go ship off to do basic training. And my recruiter said, you're disqualified. Like you can no longer continue with your path to go into the Marines. And um, that was the lowest point of my life. I felt very angry at God. I said, God, how could you, like, you made me to do this. Like, this was plan A, B, C, D. I didn't have any other plans. It was just the military. And now you're taking that away from me. 
And that was a very difficult moment in my life. And um, I, I didn't have any SAT scores. I was, I was a horrible student. I had a very tough conversation with my dad who had come from Guatemala, not only just not only to serve the Lord, but to give his children better education opportunities. And I was just squandering it. And he, he gave me an ultimatum. He said, you know, he said, Jadi, he said, um, if you don't go to school, if you don't go to college, you know, I'm kicking you out of the house. And that was really tough to hear. But um, my mother behind his back helped me enroll in this community college nearby. I failed there as well. I did horrible in an art class. Like my, my heart, my mind wasn't into it at all. And finally, my father says, you know, just take a break. Take a break from all of it. I want you to go to Guadalajara, Mexico to relearn a little bit of your Spanish. And that's what I did. So I took four months, went to Mexico. And I, trying to practice my Spanish, I went into my uncle's personal library and I, and I randomly picked out a book. And it happened to be uh, Mero Cristianismo, you know, Mere Christianity. It's mm -hmm. Lewis. Never heard of the guy. And I didn't know what this was. And I opened it up and I remember having this experience where like what I was reading was a lot like my favorite game growing up, which was chess, because chess is militaristic. And I wanted to go to the military and I thought, wow, chess is such a, basically what I want to do. And that structure in the book of, I say this, you say this, you know, I go, I make a move, you make a move. That instantly hooked me. And I felt like, oh my gosh, what is going on in this book? I later found out, you know, it was philosophy, theology, apologetics. And at that moment, I felt like God was inviting me to play a game with him. And that idea, God wants to have fun with me. God wants me to play a game that I'm already good at. I already like chess. I love chess. And I'm like, maybe I could love whatever this is. And that was a huge turning point in my life where I wanted to find out more. I wanted to discover more about whatever this is. And I remember calling my dad and I said, dad, I had tears in my eyes. Dad, I'm so sorry for squandering all these years of education. I want to change my life. Um, I want to go to the best schools in the world. He says, well, where do you want to go? And I looked at the back cover of the C.S. Lewis book and it says, oh, this guy went to this place called Oxford. I have no idea where it is, but, but I want to go there. <laughs> I want to go there. And he, he laughed at me and he said, well, maybe you can't get there from here, but maybe in a few years, you know, you'll be able to, to go. So it took me about, you know, it took me about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years to, to finally make it. But ever since that moment, I, I was 19 years old. Um, that was about 12 years ago. That, that's when I knew I, I want to go to Oxford. I want to study this guy, C.S. Lewis. And, and that's what happened. Like that, that, that's, that's where it came from. And God has been good. And he told me that there was a moment in the middle of the whole crisis where I went to church. I really wasn't used to hearing from God. And I remember feeling this very strong sense. Like if I trust him, if I trust him, he'll take me to places that I never dreamed of. And that's exactly what has happened these past 12 years. Like I, he has taken me to places I could not have imagined. Um, some of my old teachers from high school have found out what I've been up to. And they're like, Jadiel, like him, going to <laughs> Harvard and Oxford, like he was the worst. Well, thank you for uh, dealing with a little bit of technical difficulty there. Um, praise the Lord, we're back online. Uh, Jadiel, you were just sharing about the impact of studying C.S. Lewis, what that had. Do you remember exactly where you were? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, it kind of froze on my end. 
Yeah, um, was that he was he has just been a really central piece of my of my life. Um, if I could add him to the canon, if I could insert some of his writings into scripture, I would like right after oh. the letters of Paul would be the screw tape letters. And that, that would be my Bible, but but I can't, I can't do that. So <laughs> it might be a little heretical. <laughs> yeah. Um, so couple couple questions about C.S. Lewis, and then I want to turn it over to Dakmar and Leke here, who's joined us now from Nigeria. Welcome, Leke. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're back. Um, anyway, favorite C.S. Lewis quote, and uh, please share about C.S. Lewis for those listening who aren't familiar with him. Yeah, so C.S. Lewis was a writer. Um he wrote in many different genres. He was born in Ireland, but lived most of his life in England. He wrote things like the Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, the problem of pain. And um, he's just been one of the most influential uh, writers in, in, in the last you know, 100 years. In fact, Christianity Today did a, a survey of, of the most impactful books, theology books, of the of the 20th century and c.s lewis was number one ahead of the likes of like Karl bart paul tillich uh dietrich bonhoeffer so his writings really have um impacted millions of, of people around the world whether you're christian or not christian you can learn and enjoy um some of his writings so that's a little little bit about um him did you ask me what my favorite book of lewis's or well you can share that too um i i think i asked you uh, the favorite quote oh have. favorite quote because he's got some good ones yes that's very difficult actually oh my goodness okay one you keep going back to over and over um it's partly tied into i don't have a favorite I, I realized this about a month ago. I was like, I need to have an answer when people ask me, like, hey, you're a C.S. Lewis guy. What is your favorite C.S. Lewis book? And I finally, the answer was revealed to me from the heavens. It came down wrapped <laughs> in, in this, this um, beautiful aura. And, and the answer that the Lord gave me was the book you most recently read. That's your favorite, right? So it's not like I have one favorite. It's w whichever one I'm reading. I'm like, man, this is good. This is my favorite. You know, The Great Divorce, uh, Paralandra, Till We Have Faces. Whichever one I'm reading, whichever one I read recently is my favorite. And I think that applies to quotes as well. It's just um, whichever one I'm reading most recently, that's the one that's that's my favorite, <laughs> just because it's most recent. But um, I really love, specifically, I really love um, At the End of Till We Have Faces, um, Orwell, the main character, says, you know, you know, before you, before your face, all questions uh, die away. And that's one that, that I've been thinking about lately. It's how, how some questions, they just die away when you're face to face with, with something real. Before your face, you know, I, I used to wonder why there was no answer to the questions I was raising. Uh, now I know why you yourself are the answer. You know, before your face, all questions die away. And yeah, as I was saying, like, I just really appreciate that. There's some there's some questions that you would only ask in abstraction. But when you're face to face with something real, those questions take on a whole new meaning. 
-hmm. So that's one that is really powerful, I think. Wow. That's beautiful. I have one here on a sticker that I made <laughs> when I was talking about custom, custom stickers. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it says, look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else. Um, do you know where that's from? That quote? Um, my guess would be somewhere in mere Christianity. Uh, it could be from a different spots, but that, that would be my guess. Wow. Yeah, I... Um, Real quick, I, I uh, have a copy of Surprised by Joy, and I picked it up at the Shakespeare and Company um, bookstore in Paris, mm -hmm. and it was so interesting to find that book because it was one of the only Christian books I could find in that whole store, which is famous for, you know, its books, and um, it was interesting because that whole day in Paris, actually, Doc Mar, I was with Lika and my mom, and... Um, Everybody seemed sad, like everybody that I was walking around, uh, it, there was just this like, and I, lo I love French people, don't get me wrong, and Paris was beautiful, but there was just a, a lack of joy. And so when I found that Surprised by Joy, I thought, wow, this is amazing. I had to read it. I loved hearing about C.S. Lewis's um, journey to faith because he wasn't always a believer um, and the influence that having conversations with somebody uh, uh, had on him and conversations with other people and um, just a beautiful beautiful book and a beautiful life um, and uh, and I I mean I love his writings too I, I didn't mean to say that they're heretical because they're not <laughs> No, you, you said amazing. inserting them into yeah. scripture would be heretical. That might be. I don't know. You probably know what I don't now, even know. I'm willing to pay that price. I'll be called a heretic as long as I no. can have the screw tape letters next to the letters of Paul. I think. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, that's wonderful. Okay, girls. Uh, he knows a little bit about you, both of you. And I'd love for you to ask any questions you have. Um, and Lake, I think you had one. Oh, I had, uh, yeah, I, I had one. Um, I mentioned that a lot of times as Christians, we have um, a very like def definitive moment in our lives where things change. Um, and that's not necessarily where you, it's just a moment where, you know, the, the entire thing just becomes a bit more real to you. But then as you, um, grow older as a christian it does feel like sometimes hey Lika, are you there i think your audio cut out so i can try to summarize what she was telling me in our break um yeah. Lika, and you can correct me she said that um sometimes when you're on the christian journey there are these moments of stagnation and you, you feel like you, you can't go back but you also can't go forward and what do you do in those moments of of a like spiritual dryness is that like is that correct um yeah she's saying yeah yeah um yeah that's a really good question what jadiel said <laughs> yeah that's a really good, i'm glad <laughs> i'm paying attention to you yeah um <clears throat> yeah so let me just say a few things one is um god calls himself god calls people to himself in a variety of ways. Um, and I think you're right, like it's a sense that not everybody has the same path to God. You know, sometimes I'm in, I, I grew up in a very Pentecostal culture where it's about this one definitive moment where everything changed. 
you know, you were doing drugs and alcohol and you're at the strip club and then you met Jesus and everything changed and you never did it again. And that's kind of like the road to Damascus story. You know, you, you meet Jesus and everything turns upside down and changes and you're never the same again. And God does that to people. And it's very inspiring when you hear some of their testimonies. I think about someone like uh, St. Augustine in the confessions that I've been reading recently. You know, he had this moment where he was scared to commit. He knew what it would mean. And finally, through a variety of different movements, he comes to believe and commit his life to Jesus and everything changes for him. My experience wasn't like that at all. Um, there was never a time where I wasn't going to church or I wasn't praying. So I didn't have, I, I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't, you know, um, partying in the world that much. But God called me to him still. And it didn't look like everybody else's testimony, but it doesn't have to. And sometimes what God looks at is, and I like this, I got this from, from, from a Catholic theologian, actually, you know, where, where God looks at your whole life and, and looks at it as one decision, as opposed to, well, was there a moment in your life where you made that decision? It could be a dozen different decisions, uh, a thousand different decisions that add up to you saying, yes, a fundamental yes to, to God. So I think that's the first thing that God calls. There isn't the one way, one method that you have to go through step X, Y, and Z. I feel like God works in very mysterious, very beautiful ways where he's, he's drawing people to himself. And um, so that's the first thing that I think is really beautiful and important to say. And the second thing is this. And they, Guys, everything I say is just C.S. Lewis. I'm not going to tell you where it's from, but I there I cannot distinguish Lewis's thinking from my thinking. So <laughs> a lot of it, it's just mixed up in my mind. Um, but one of the points he makes in the screw tape letters is that, you know, the, the patient converts. And the screw tape letters is a letters of a, it's a fictional correspondence between um, two demons, two devils. And they're trying to show you, well, what would it be like if there was a devil that was in charge of making sure that you went to hell, you know, and they were exchanging letters? What would that be like? And one of the tactics is, listen, your, your, your patient is going to convert. Make sure that you shock him with spiritual dryness. Make sure that it's completely unexpected and that it just turns his life upside down. And one of the points that Lewis makes there is that dryness is an essential part of life in any area. It's not just spiritually. In any area, romantically, when you study a subject at school, at first it's very exciting. And then you start to learn the technicalities and the calculus of it, and it's boring. But And the same thing happens in a relationship, uh, in a romantic relationship. So, Lika, you said you're about to get married. Um, Dagmar, I don't just know. Got married. Oh, just just got married. Dagmar, I don't know your romantic uh, situation. Would you would you mind? She's got one. You, <laughs> you got a romantic situation. I do. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, um, things are exciting at, at first, and they might last for a while. You know, things are very exciting. There's that thrill, but there comes a time in every relationship where dryness settles in. 
what do you do then? What's your choice? You're just going to leave? Like, that's the life that you want to live is every time it gets dry, every time it gets tough, you just leave? No. What Lewis says is if you push through it, there is a reward on the other side. And there's, there's a, the, the relationship matures. And that has to do with this notion of what is the role of feelings in, in our relationship to God? Feelings are great. I come from very feeling-driven uh, ministry. Uh, feelings are awesome, but they're not the most important thing. And sometimes you can prove your faithfulness when there aren't feelings. Sometimes it's worth more, actually. Um, I didn't know that one of the five love languages apparently is massages because my wife loves massages. She loves foot massages. <laughs> she's, a, she's a nurse's assistant. And um, she comes home from a long night shift. And the best thing I could do for her is give her a foot massage. And sometimes I don't feel like it. But I tell myself, it doesn't matter what you feel. You act. What would someone in love do? Give her a foot massage. What would I have done when I was first newly married or dating her? I would have loved to do that. So I'm going to do that. It doesn't matter how I feel. It's what, what, am I, what is my life? What are my actions? And one of the principles is that once you perform the action, the feelings sometimes follow. So it's not all about um, feelings shouldn't be really that important. It's wonderful. It's great when they come, but it's not what makes or breaks our relationship with God. And the third thing I'll say is this. Waiting on the Lord, man, I, that's been a word on my heart. He's been ministering that to me lately, waiting, learning how to wait on the Lord. That is how you can prove um, that you love him. And the world tells us if you're waiting, you're wasting your time. And that's not true at all. Sometimes God, sometimes God doesn't say yes. And God doesn't say no. He just says, wait, you know, wait right where you are. Be still and know that I am God. And that's what I want to say. Like if you're feeling spiritually dry, wait on the Lord act as if you weren't what what would you do if you weren't spiritually dry go ahead and do that and wait on the lord and he he's going to honor that and so, i don't know if you've read um waiting for Godot by by samuel beckett it's a huge important play from the 20th century and i'll, I'll just give you what one of the reviewers said he said in this play waiting for Godot, nothing happens twice so nothing happens. It's a play where it's, it's an absurdist play. Nothing happens. And you have these two characters, Vladimir and Estragon, and you don't know anything about them. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what they're waiting for. It's just this thing called Godot and nothing happens. And the point of that play is life is absurd and all you can do is wait and you don't even know what you're waiting for. And sometimes that is that is the image of waiting that the world wants to give us. When, when God tells you, hey, wait, you know, even wait, wait till marriage, you know, wait till marriage or, or just wait for his instruction. The world is like, oh, you're just like Vladimir and Estragon. You're waiting. You don't know what you're waiting for. It's exhausting. It's meaningless. And that's not at all. That's not at all what waiting is. When you wait, you know, God's going to come through. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to honor this waiting moment. And, um, and that's why, like, last night, I did not feel like praying, but I, I, I didn't care. 
I, I put my son to bed. My wife was in a night shift. I said, Lord, do I feel like praying? Do I feel like being romantic with you? God, no. But I locked myself in my closet and just spent some time with the Lord. And, and he honored that. So I feel like dryness can be a blessing. That's what I'm trying to say. It's because you can really do something difficult. You, you can achieve something that you can't when all the feelings are there. So that's just the beginning of a, of a kind of a response to that question of what do we do when we feel like we're stagnant or, or spiritually dry? Leke, were you able to hear a little bit about that? Yes, yes, um, I did. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> that makes sense. Doing, doing what you would normally do yeah, but for me, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I've been doing this. This is pointless. I'd rather not do it. But then, um, like you said, well, we shouldn't ignore feelings. Um, feelings are not, you don't need to have feelings before you do it. It's like you said, with like being um, loving a person. If you don't wake up every day with butterflies in your stomach, but you still decide to love your spouse or whoever you're with. So, yeah. 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 Uh, let me just say, let me just add this. The, the danger is this. Well, the motions aren't working. So what, what do we do next? Well, I'm going to stop going through the motions. I'm going to stop reading, praying, going to church because they're clearly not working. And that is the conclusion that I would just really discourage people to make because the motion should be a safety net. It should be like at the very, I'm not going to fall below that. No matter where my feelings are, no matter where my heart is, I'm not going to fall below that. I would love to be above it, but at the very least, you know, I'm not going to fall below that. And I love this image that I learned in Oxford. And I learned firsthand when my wife was giving birth, you know, about two years ago. I was really involved in it. The, the nurses wanted to hire me. Like, that's how good I was helping my wife <laughs> give birth. They're like, have you done this before? I'm like, no, I haven't. But, but I, I'm ready, you know, and I was helping my wife give birth. And there's a rhythm of breathing that they tell women, like, this is how you need to breathe so that you don't put your life in danger. You don't put the baby's life in danger. And the breathing changes at different stages of, the, of, of giving birth. Sometimes they're fast, sometimes they're slow, but we should have something like that in our life where it's like, there's a rhythm. There are certain actions that I do that I'm not going to fall below. If I stop doing those, I'm going to put uh, my life and the life of others in, in, in spiritual danger. So that's no matter how we feel, the motions are there. They're important. And I feel like we should do them. So good. Dagmar, I'm going to let you ask a question too, because we don't have a ton of time left and I want to make sure that you get a chance to ask something as well. All right. So I didn't have anything prepared <laughs> for some reason, but I was just uh, listening to what you were saying about um, how sometimes you just need to do stuff in order to feel like it's right and good. And I relate to that, but I was wondering, like, I know, like, for me right now, I'm in, like, the beginning stage of faith, I would call it. And I kind of feel like that dryness, like, I'm not fully feeling it. 
So because I have never, well, I haven't really been like in a relationship with God. I'm like, yeah, all right. So I feel like this dryness, but I don't know what to do. So I started reading Genesis, like the first page. And I'm trying to trying to read a little bit of it every day. Are there other things that you would recommend me to do? Like I'm trying to read stuff, have conversations with people, but it's still um, still pretty hard because as soon as I'm alone and trying to go to sleep, I'm like, mm, all right, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did, can you just say a little bit more about the last thing you said about, like, I don't know about this. Like, what do you mean? Like, Oh, maybe you start doubting the things that you were doing earlier. Is that what you're saying? No, not really doubting the things that I was doing earlier, but more the 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 feeling behind it. Like, um, I get a kind of like a little panic attack. Like, ah, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, let me just say the first thing is, I just want to congratulate you. Like, because you, and as I was reading about you, as I was listening to your story, I'm like, here is a woman that understands the gravity of what she's doing. Some people, they don't understand the gravity of it. They just, um, they just say a quick prayer. They're like, all right, I'm going to be a Christian. And then they're not. And then their faith is not deeply rooted because they didn't understand what am I committing to? What am I committing to? Well, I don't understand this decision. What is it to make a decision to commit my life to Christ? And you are saying, I'm afraid to do that. And that is exactly the right approach we should have is God is asking, you know, I want to be your everything. I want to, I want to guide your life. I want you to give me control of your life. And to our natural being, that is very frightening. Um, and it should be frightening. And I think I just, that's the first thing I want to say is you're in such a beautiful, spiritually healthy place because you do feel that fear. You do feel that panic. If, if you didn't feel that, I would be like, wait, are you understanding what you're about to do? Like you're, you know, like, but that's a really good thing. That, that's a really good thing. So I just want to affirm that. Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, that's a really good thing. I would rather have somebody like you than have somebody that's just like, all right, yeah, I'm not afraid. Let's just do this. Let's just jump right into it. It's like, like, bro, do you understand the commitment you're about to make? You know, it's like when you get engaged, man, I was terrified. I remember when I got engaged with my wife, um, she had no idea. I had deceived her so good because she's a detective. <laughs> she's a detective. And I'm like, the one thing I want to do is surprise this woman, but, but she, I can't surprise her. So I remember just weaving a web of lies. Lord, forgive me for all those lies that I told her. Uh, I told her, hey, maybe later today we can go ring shopping. And she didn't know I had the ring in my pocket that I was going to give her. And she got so mad. She was like, man, you're taking way too long. But I remember um, we went on this little gondola boat together and she was talking. I was nervous. I was sweating. I wasn't eating, eating anything. And I remember, oh my gosh, my life is about to change. Am I sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, this is the one, you know, and I remember going on my knee and just asking her, you know, I, I want you to be my wife. Will you marry me? Will you spend the rest of your life with me? And she was shocked. And I was like, yes, finally. Like, I, 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 I surprised her. 
Um, but it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying because I, I wasn't playing around. I knew I was going to make a commitment for the rest of my life. And that's really good that you feel that way. Um, the second thing is that, man, sometimes, sometimes we don't want to let fear um, hold us back from enjoying things that can only you. There are some blessings, some beauties, some truths that are waiting for us on the other side of fear, and it's tough, and it's it's really tough. But if you, you can manage to muster up that that courage, I feel like some, sometimes that's just as valuable as faith. You know, having the courage to say, you know what, I'm afraid, but let's do it. Like, let's do it. Let's let's take this step. Let's take this leap. And the beauty about it is this. And Dagmar, I feel like I feel like you need to hear this probably. If you, if you place your trust in, in Christ and you're, you're like, I'm doing this, I'm going all in, uh, I'm going to go all in. It's not like you're going to end up like a nun in a convent somewhere tomorrow. Like that's not the thing at all. It's, it's just like, it, it's a series of steps that I'm taking, Janelle is taking. That's what it means to be a Christian is now I have to take another leap. And now I have to take another leap, but I know who I'm taking that leap with. And that's, that, that makes all the difference. So at first it was, okay, God, I'm going to trust you that you know, what's best for me, that you have a plan for me, that you can guide me. I'm going to trust you. It's hard. I remember it was so hard for me when I was 18, 19 years old. And I decided, God, I'm going to trust you. I was in a relationship for many years with this girl. And I knew that that wasn't a relationship that I needed to be in. It wasn't honoring God. It wasn't helping me at all. And I remember the moment I said, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to, to guide my life. I remember I went to that girl. I had a very difficult conversation over the phone. I said, listen, I need to do something different with my life. So I need to break up with you. Um, it really hurt. I mean, I was depressed. I was sad, but that was me showing God, like, I'm trusting you and I'm, and I'm doing something about it. And I'm taking this first step. I don't know what's going to happen a month from now, six months from now, but I know this is the step that you want me to take right now. And that's what the Christian life is. It's a series of steps. It's a series of leaps, but man, it's beautiful. And it's a journey and, and it's true. And I feel like that is the invitation that God gives everybody. It's like, if you can trust me, I'm going to take you to places that, that you haven't dreamed of yet, that you're incapable of fathoming yet. But you look back and, you, and sometimes you look back and you're like, man, that was the wrong decision. And sometimes you look back and you're like, that decision made all the difference. Was it terrifying? Yes. But it's never not terrifying Dagmar, you can be 90 years old and this will still be a terrifying decision. Um, it's like getting married. It's like having a baby. It's right now, my wife, the weirdest thing happened to her after she had her first baby. She wants more babies now. That's it. What? <laughs> like you have just been through the most traumatic thing. It traumatized me for, for many months. I couldn't talk about it. It was very difficult for me to process. Um, I remember getting angry at God because it was a long, complicated uh, labor. 
And now she wants more. And I'm like, this is absurd. Like financially, spiritually, like why would we put ourselves to do that again? But, but we want another one. And it's just, God's like, okay, this is the next leap. You know, this is the next step. It doesn't, it doesn't add up right now, but after you take it, you're going to look back and all the math is going to add up and it's going to make sense. And um, so I, that's, those are the two things I just want to say to you. It's good that you're afraid. That's good that you feel that panic. And the second thing is I wouldn't want that fear to stop you from starting this journey that you can look back on and be like, oh my gosh, this was the best thing that I ever did. Um, one of the things that Lewis says is, you know, Christianity can either be infinitely important or not important at all. What it can't be is moderately important. You know, Christ either makes all the difference or he just makes no difference. Like go do yoga, you know, go, <laughs> what are you doing with this whole church thing? Um, and I believe that people that make that commitment that choose to press through that fear, God honors that. And you can look back and be like, why did I wait so long? You know, this was, this was the, this was the best thing I could have done. And that's good. Yeah. So it's good. You're afraid. Number two, my prayer is I hope that fear doesn't um, paralyze you and you're able somehow uh, God is able to give you enough courage to say, you know what, I'm going to do this and get ready for a lifetime. That's what it is. That's what it means to be a Christian It's just to take steps of faith um, all the way. And it's thrilling. It's exciting. It's terrifying, but it's really fun. I'm doing it now. I, I'm doing it now. I, I'm in the middle of a move and um, it was terrifying. And God was saying to me, wait, you know, wait. And there were people offering me jobs and I need a job. I have this one-year-old who's hungry. I need to pay for things. And I felt like the Lord was saying, you need to wait, just wait, wait, wait. I have something better for you, but God, I need to pay the bills. My, my, my wife, like, how am I going to feed? Just wait. And it was a hard step of faith to turn down some of those job offers. And exactly, you know, God honored that he's offered me this amazing job opportunity. And it's just another leap, the latest leap in the Christian life. Yeah. I think that I'm right now half paralyzed <laughs> not fully because I'm right here and I'm still having conversations and everything like that but it's like my feelings are paralyzed right now but my mind's not so I'm still yeah going yeah, yeah awesome I mean that's good that you're still going well maybe to be continued Jadiel I'm sure you're super busy but we may have to have you back on here because I have like 10 questions and thank you, technical difficulties. We, we may just need to invite you back on. But we have one final question that I ask everybody and I don't want to, um, to miss this with you. Um, so Lake and Dakmar, thank you so much for being here. And honestly, this has been uh, the most problems that I think we've ever had on a podcast interview before. <laughs> So uh, thank you for being gracious and uh, patient. Um, but I know we're running out of time. And the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things. Um, things that I believe we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Jadiel, which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Restoration, eternity, authenticity. Or love? That's a great question. For me, it would be 
love for so many different reasons. One, I feel like the world is clueless about what love is. A lot of people think love is I accept you just the way you are. I don't want you to change. And um, if you're in a relationship, if you're married, you know that is not what love is. You know, love is willing the good of the other, willing the good of the other, wanting goodness for someone. And sometimes that's tough and you have to make some tough decisions. But I feel like the love of God brings such clarity. It's so different. God loves us as we are, but doesn't love us. God loves us too much to leave us as we are, is what I'm trying to say. Like when you love somebody, you want them to be better. You want them to be more beautiful. You want them to reach the ultimate goodness for their life. You don't just want to leave them where they are. And I, that kind of love for me is mind-blowing. And to be able to, and maybe you'll experience this one day. My wife loved that. There were so many insecurities I had about myself, um, physically, um, intellectually, so many insecurities. And when I'm able to stand before my wife as I am and to find someone that loves me as I am, like, oh my gosh, she actually loves the parts of me that I was insecure about. That is such a life-giving moment. And I feel like God does that to us to an infinite degree where you can stand before God, let down all the filters, take off all the different masks that we give onto people, stand as we are, and just be loved in such an overwhelming way that you just have, it's a, the least I could do is try to change for the better for him. And um, just becoming a parent, just changes that whole thing. I mean, I, I'm in love with my boy. I don't just love my boy. Like I feel that flutter in the diaphragm. Like when you're like, you know, when you're in love and you're like, like you, you just flutter. You're like, oh my, like you start doing things like, ah, oh, and you're thinking about them. That is happening with my son. Like there are moments where I'm just like in love with this boy and it's nothing. He hasn't done anything. He doesn't pay rent. He doesn't help me. I mean, he doesn't do anything. I don't get any material gain from this boy except the love and joy that he gives me because he's my son. And that is the love that God has for us. And it is just mind blowing uh, with all my imperfections, with all my sins, all my insecurities to know that I have a God in heaven that loves me that way, not because of anything that I've done, but because of who I am to him. Where are you going to find that? Where are you going to find that love? Where in the world is that love on offer? And that's why to me, it's all about love. And that love to me is it's found in Jesus. And I can live a beautiful, affirmed life because I know that God loved me. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm smart or anything. That's just, I'm God's son. And he loves me. And that, that changes everything. And now I can go and love people better because I'm, I'm first loved by God. And I'm just living in that. I'm walking in that. And I used to hear this. <laughs> I used to hear this, um, this, this Christian leader that said he would start his meetings by saying, I'm God's favorite, you know, and everybody would laugh because we know God, God doesn't have favorites, but that's how it feels. Like God loves me that much. Like, it's like, I'm the only human being on earth. And 
that's not me bragging. That's not me saying, oh, he loves me because I'm, you know, this or that. That's just who God is. God is love. And I feel like if we just got a glimpse of that love, everything would change for us individually, in our societies, in our world. So that's why the, the, that notion of love is really stirring in my heart at the moment. That's a really good question, Janelle. Thank you so much. Wow. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the Apostle John who said the disciple whom Jesus loved was like, John understood. <laughs> yeah. I'm chosen and loved by him. Yeah. Uh, Jadiel, thank you so much for being here today. Leike and Dakmar, any final thoughts before we, we say goodbye here? Yeah, none for me, but thank you for your time, Jadiel, giving me a few things to think about. Yeah, Dagmar. it was really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you so much for, for waking up early, Dagmar. And uh, Leike, it was awesome to connect with you both. And, and I wish you both the best. And, and thank you, Janelle. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.